1: Hello. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi. Hi. How's it going? You guys excited to be here? You guys all friends with Jacqueline? So are we. We're so happy to see you here today. Uh, My name is David Gonzalez. I'm the events manager here at Skylight Books. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, sharing your Sunday afternoon with us. It makes us very, very, very happy uh, to see a full house for... um, for our in-store events, especially for writers from within our very own community. It means a lot. Um, So uh, I'm just going to say a quick uh, quick couple of things, uh, just housekeeping things, and we'll just get the show right on the road. Uh, Please, please, pretty please shut off your cell phones, right, just so it doesn't go off uh, during the reading. Um, You're more than welcome to take pictures or tweet, Instagram, whatever, whatever. Uh, But just... Just turn the sound off, right? That, that'd be great. Um, as soon as the reading is over, we'll clear all these chairs out, and we'll bring a table in so Jacqueline can sign your books. Uh, but please purchase the books um, at the register before you make the signing line. Cool? Good, good. Um, and then last thing I want to mention is we have a lot of great Um, events coming up in June, um, just really, really amazing. In fact, our whole summer, just, if you are not on our email list, you should really get on our email list. You can just sign up right at the register, you can go online and sign up, but, um, I promise you, uh, there's a lot of really amazing things, uh coming down the pike uh, this summer. But uh, just this week, we have, um, on Tuesday, Jennifer Jen Pasiloff is going to be here for uh, her memoir on being human. Um, That's supposed to be a really good book, a really interesting book. Uh, She's going to be in conversation with Lydia Yuknovich. Uh, If you're familiar with her work, um, it's certainly going to be a really um, interesting conversation. And another book that might be of interest to you is on... Uh, this coming Thursday, June 6th, uh, we're hosting Catherine S- uh, Scanlon. She wrote a really interesting book called uh, August 9th Fog, uh, where basically she found this five year journal from like a farmhouse in Idaho from like the 19th century. And she basically just took all the words from this journal and sort of rearranged it into this really kind of dreamlike, hallucinatory experience about this sort of imaginary family on this farm. It's really a remarkable book, and that's going to be on Thursday. So if you are uh, free and looking for something to do, uh, I suggest uh, coming back and joining us again. Um, But, okay, uh, the reason you're all here today. Uh, Jacqueline Suskin is the author of uh, The Collected, a book of narrative poems paired with found photographs and Go Ahead and Like It, a self-help book that explores the healing power and artistry of positive list-making. Uh, Known for her multi-disciplinary work with a project she calls Poem Store, Suskin composes improvisational poetry for patrons who choose both a topic and a price in exchange for a unique verse. She regularly brings poetry into classrooms around the country and was honored by Michelle Obama, maybe you've heard of her, um, at the White House as a turnaround artist. The Edge of the Continent is a trilogy of poetry about the state of California. The first volume came out in 2018. We're here for volume two. Suskin is based in Los Angeles but considers the entire state of California our home. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jacqueline Suskin.
0: Hey guys. <laughs> okay, uh, this is very exciting, very surreal. I'm in such a weird headspace right now. Um, most of you are my dear friends, and you know that I'm like deeply, deeply grieving the loss of my best friend, and trying to think of standing up here and talking to you all without saying that seems like an impossible thing. So I was like, I'm gonna start with just being very honest that I'm so emotionally raw right now. And it means a lot to have your support, especially in this moment, always. But right now, it just feels so nice to look out and see everyone's faces and all these people who I know love me and have supported me for my whole time living in this crazy city, which is what this book is about. I'm so excited to read this book to you all here in Los Angeles. I'm about to go on a little tour with it up the coast, just just through California. But reading it here feels like the most important part. So thank you all for coming to listen to me. Uh, my time in LA has been really challenging and really incredible. Uh, I feel like every single door opened for me the second I moved here, which was not necessarily something I expected. I moved here under this guise of an experiment to try to create a career as a poet in the way that I wanted to, which was to do my weird job of typing poems in public places for people. and It just escalated and grew, and it's been five years, which is the exact number of years that I gave myself to live in this city. I was like, I'm going to go and live in this weird metropolis this big old beast of a city for five years and at the end of that i will check in with myself and be like how does that feel do i still like it and this is that moment which is (laughs) really incredible so i still like it but this book actually kind of highlights all the things that are really hard about liking it for me and it's it's kind of strikes a balance and moves you through my process of like learning how to love this place I thought that I would write all of these poems about people because clearly the the best thing about Los Angeles is the people. Um, My friends and the creative community that I have here is incredible, and that was why I moved here. But I don't actually really write poems about people that well. I have a couple. Uh, Mostly I write poems about place because, as most of you know, I'm just an ecstatic earth worshiper, so finding the earth in this city was the thing that actually kept me going and kept my focus and kept me inspired. So most of the poems in the book actually ended up being about the the, the land, the earth, this, this place um, that we forget about uh, maybe that is very earthly and When someone thinks of a giant city, they might not first think, oh, this beautiful wonderland of crazy plants and mountains and all of this is so accessible to us. We're so lucky because not every city is like that. So um, I'm just gonna go through and read and then I'll let you ask me some questions at the end, Um, whatever you want. (laughs) I I mean it. (laughs) Um, But I'm gonna take a drink of water first. (laughs) out of my water bottle, because I don't like plastic water bottles. We all don't use those. (laughs) So the book opens with me kind of asking these questions and answering them for myself. Um, Why do you live in the city if the forest is your home? In order to serve the forest, I have to help people remember that the earth exists. And what is the reward? The earth. My time here has been fully rooted in that practice. Everything I do is dedicated to that. All of these books are dedicated to that. They're made of trees, I'm not. this is not lost on me, but um, <laughs> I can handle it. Uh, this is the best tool I have, so I gotta use it. <laughs> Uh, Los Angeles. My favorite thing about this city is that no matter where I'm positioned in the horizontal sprawl, I can see a mountain, sometimes just a small shoulder, a brow of brush and rock, but often a huge brown hunch of land between buildings, a safeguard at the end of almost every street. I'm startled by the presence of dry dirt and chaparral, daily proof that I'm surrounded by undeveloped terrain. Each view demands my attention be returned to the unsilenced voice of Earth. You've noticed that, right? Like I mean, You can almost see a mountain from everywhere you are here, which is not lost on me ever. I'm always like, where's the mountain? Uh, a mountain brought me here. I sat in my tent as fog shifted through the gulch. I lit my candle and asked my questions. Where should I be if not here? How can I best be in service? Where is this room of my own? I arranged the tarot cards and a fan for the future. Go where you can reach everyone. Go where you are loved already by many old friends. Go to the place that will spread your voice the farthest. I brushed two brown spiders from the doorway and they curled up like peppercorns. Outside, I stood barefoot in the wet grass. The sun appeared as a full melon, a disk of light. I stared up at Baby Tooth, my mountain in the mist. I asked my questions again, and this peak, so small against the other Alps, started speaking. I heard four syllables, the name of a hot southern city. It took me a year to accept the invitation, but a mountain had demanded direction and I needed to follow its lead. Um, before I moved here, I lived in Northern California, in Humboldt and up in the Trinity Alps for a while. And that was where I was when I heard this call to come to Los Angeles and try to be in service. And it, it did take me a year to accept because I was like, really? Me? And now I'm like, yeah, me. <laughs> it's like, I'm in this red suit. And I've. Makeup on, woo! <laughs> um, have my nails done. <laughs> Where like, yeah, before I was like, I'm in overalls. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it, <laughs> always. Uh, I am not a city person. I knew I had to come here, and here I am with a sack of loquats picked from the bushes on the boulevard. A year ago, I imagined the appeal of city anonymity the rush and weirdness of a place so full. I saw a vision of myself seated in a cafe, a book open on a marble table, and my eyes wandering to meet many other eyes. Now that I've arrived, everything outside my apartment is vibrating and I can hardly stand the frequency. I sit alone in my room looking at no one, grateful that the view out my window is only two tall palm trees. Desert Rose. I didn't expect to find a mother made of light in my bedroom. Yellow curtains cast a golden hue and I'm illuminated. Guided in breath, I go deep into that place that only the body can create. A calmness that wipes away all questions. She arrives with a name, Desert Rose, and stands as an outline of spirit shining before me. I feel the weight of her hands in my hands for an hour. Her words sound like radiant chimes. Nurturing spirit takes care of me here. My city guardian offering up her glowing cradle. Long white hair made of stars. She squeezes me with her maternal vow. Suggests that I remember what love looks like. And I call her name whenever I forget. Um, There's a lot of little tie-throughs between this volume and the first volume which I didn't anticipate doing when I wrote it but then that's just what happened Uh, so that's kind of fun to find as you read them and piece together like that's the spirit that visited me in the city and then there was a spirit that visited me in the forest and there are there are various poems that do that so just a little clue (laughs) to keep your eye out (laughs) Uh, okay this one's called I'm here I'm here. The city doesn't require me to have a purpose. It says I never need to think about what I'm offering the world. The essence is money. The rest can be a blur of hiding from the sun in air-conditioned rooms. No need for any of it to be holy. Throw cups away, 10 a day. A cool night wind blows my window open. I disagree with the mantras of this place. I can't forget that I'm standing on a planet that is floating in space. I can't ignore my constant awe or the words that arrive while I'm sleeping. Each verse written in the dark is a reason, a reminder that I'm here and I know why. (laughs) Sorry. My small friend. <laughs> uh, this one's uh, called Fountain Ave. The single tree, newly planted, now dead, burnt orange by sudden heat. The man crawling on his belly, clawing the sidewalk at 7 a.m. on Sunday. The coyote quick- quickly crossing the path of timid Scientologists. The art house on the corner with the giant sculpture of a copper leaf leaning on a black iron fence. The man pissing, the man crying, the man tap dancing, the bundled up person crouched against a palm tree saying, holy, holy, holy. The cathedral of sacred transfiguration, my halfway mark, golden teardrops to guide me home. Um, I would ride Fountain Avenue every Sunday to get to the farmer's market, so every morning, you know, it was before people were really awake, and I'm, there I am, like, on my bike, in my vintage dress with all this shit on the back of my bike, like, my typewriter and all my stuff, and I would always just see all these crazy things, and I just tried to pick a few that really stuck with me. I uh, use these little tabs... This is the first time I've ever done that. Feels very grown up. Mandy, actually, you inspired me with the tabs. (laughs) Um, I did it today, though, so I'm not really that prepared. Don't get any (laughs) great ideas. Um, This is one of my favorite poems in the book. It's called The Toilet. The Toilet. Every day we break the ancient human code that says, don't shit into clean water. To be less like animals, we stopped squatting. No other creature dishonors this holy element. I'd rather use a bucket or a hole, let the pile decay in the rain, feed it to the shade trees, cover it with straw, and remember the ways in which my hands are still like paws. We may flush our evidence and send away our waste, try our best to rid the body of hair, keep our feet separate from the soil, and bathe with floral-scented soaps. But each day we show up for our ritual of release, perched atop our cold white thrones, beasts who cannot control the fact that we are forever filthy. <laughs> Moving here from living off-grid and like actually like not pooping into clean water was Horrible and I every time I had to go to the bathroom. I would almost cry. I was like, I don't want to do this This is so the wrong way <laughs> And as I wrote this book, I was kind of like gosh This is this this is just all focusing on like the wrong ways that humans have chosen to do things And we know the right way we know all the answers. We have all the tools. It's not a question We're not searching for what to do. How do we fix it? We there's just a lot in our, in our way a large structure um, This one's called Architecture. It's kind of one of my favorite things in in LA also, Architecture. Spin in a circle. You'll see at least one gorgeous building or facade, remaining relics from our last days of erecting beauty for God and the hopeful spirit of the West. Notice the details left over from a time of exploration when this place was only a hint of a metropolis rising up from a wasteland curved cement, Spanish clay, and symbols chiseled into marble. There is still a human spirit here that says, this is our collection of canyons. We can craft our future into these leaning hills. Uh, This one's called Beyond Us. Even now, There is open land that doesn't need us. Conjure up an image of deep greens and bright browns surrounding the city. Houses getting farther and farther apart. Miles of blue river, creeks wandering, a lake so deep and cold. Imagine a family of deer that cannot see us. Somewhere close exists a fox who has never known a human. A cougar roams the trail that it makes with its own four paws. We feel limitless, but we do end. The Trade. I love the stretch of short tunnels on the 110 North, open mouths that usher me towards snowy mountains, ornate archways supporting crescent swaths of scraggly trees. I adore the pink-painted facades and murals of Mexico, the jazz room in the Japanese strip mall, the old Italian restaurant with the waiters in pressed red vests, and the cicada club paused in the year 1920. I'm inspired by the lineage of artistic families, chosen kin, storytellers, oracles, and mystic visionaries who build their homes on steep wedges of crumbling granite. I like that this place isn't actually a desert. It's a dry, subtropical Mediterranean anomaly. It's a vortex, a seedbed for inspiration, but it's still a city. And if someone asked me to trade it all for a blank slate of earth, I'd say yes in one breath. Not that I'm not grateful, just honest. Get wine out of a can. (laughs) Uh, This one's called Naked in the Aftermath. Naked in the Aftermath. Everyone says the big one is about to hit. Los Angeles is overdue. I can see signs in my ceiling, cracks in the plaster, hints of shaking that occurred in the past. I have a stash of old water bottles, some cans of food, flashlights, and knives. I know that if it were to come today, no tool would do. I imagine riding my bicycle to safety. Everyone else is stuck in traffic, and I'm somehow free to pump and pedal my way north. But I know that my bicycle and my body will be smashed. I know that my roof will cave in, termites released from the floorboards, my bones and blood in the rubble. I sleep naked. I always think that's how they'll find me, unclothed and in a dream, wrapped in floral sheets, no sign of struggle. I guess that poem could also be called, I Am Not Afraid to Die. Um. which I think is kind of the best way to be alive. Um, This one's called The Body. The doctor called me Frail Cloud. I saw a vision of my spine as a sad serpent with its face shoved into a chair day after day. I found the Korean spa. Twice while tranced in the steam room, a plant-like spirit visited me, neon green, smoky silhouette, She spoke of my poetic purpose as I slouched naked beside strangers. She told me to go north, put both hands against the moss of an old madrone trunk, and listen. The body is an old machine. I swam in the Pacific, in the waves, thankful to feel my vertebrae so loose. The ocean told me its true name. Um... When I first moved here, I worked so much, and my back got all messed up from doing poem store all the time. I just never thought about it. I was sitting on this hard chair and typing for hours and hours and hours for strangers in public, and I just had not yet connected that that was a lot. (laughs) And my body was like, it's a lot. Um, We're going to talk to you about that. And my spine just seized up, and it was terrifying. And I've gotten these little messages as I've lived here to, like, you you know you have to protect yourself, you have to be careful, you have to, if you're giving yourself, if you're in service, you have to really like learn how to tend to your body and listen to it. And it's been a real process and I've had all these different uh, experiences of different uh, guidance throughout my time here of people being like, you're not gonna live there forever, are you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not moving today, but I'm on my way out. <laughs> as an announcement. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Oh, but this is a good one to follow that with. Uh, It's called, I Can Stay. Uh, Only the strong scent of blooming citrus and the sound of banana leaves moving in the wind can save me tonight. I got lost, got a parking ticket, and I feel lonely. There's nothing anyone could say to heal me. I pass by your porch, the garden that isn't mine, plants call out for water. I stick my finger into each pot to search out their thirst. If I walk down the saddest sidewalk and find the magnolia in bloom, then in this city I can stay. It's blooming, giant saucers of white. I dig my fingernails into the thick fallen petals. The plants really saved me when I first moved here, but they still they still do. What a crazy plant city this is. Um, there's a couple poems in here about different spots in the city. I'll just read this one uh, about Echo Park Lake. Echo Park Lake, what a place. I mean, whenever I go there, I'm like, this city is great! It just like really lifts my whole spirit. I guess I should go there. I haven't been there in a little while. Uh, Echo Park Lake, I will teach you the difference between ducks, geese, coots, and swans. Note the folded hue under the wing, big bodies floating with ease, blue legs, and mythical necks. I will point out the beautiful rump on the Lady of the Lake. We can ride the paddle boats, count silver buildings in the distance, and then walk the perimeter of the water while I name plants and trees. Lilies and lantana, eucalyptus and cypress. Turtles on the bank, a night heron so silent and close in the grass. Cormorants weighing down the highest bow. A a bullfrog wise body rigid in the lotus bed. Pony pony rides, guitar players and families eating corn on sticks. When I think of the word city, this is what I see. A man-made vision mixed with marshland. Delicate balance under the watchful eye of a single hawk who always soars above it. And then this one's kind of taking us out of the city because I do leave LA a lot, which is always nice. (laughs) Driving on I-5 North. I imagine myself as a skeleton alone in a field. I pass a pickup truck with a large brown dog loose in the back, At 85 miles per hour, he should be safe inside the cab. And then there are the cow lots, of course, the thick black expanse of shit and creatures packed close for miles. I start crying, and then it's my mother on the phone. She cannot shake the sadness out of her voice and needs me to be strong and steady with each word. I forget the cows. Full white clouds appear on the horizon, hovering over the interstate in the usual spot right where the mountains break open for the valley. I burn sage in a little bowl on the dashboard and watch a small white spider descend from the rearview mirror. Its delicate legs uncurl, transparent in the light. Is everybody good? Transfixed. Um, this one's called Overlook. My home is to the east and on the western horizon, the ocean is a small black line. The sun breaks its yolk in the thick haze and thirsty trees cover every inch of all variety standing tall between the buildings. They look like a grid of moss spreading and filling up cracks. I see beauty from afar and forget the strangeness of it all up close. In the center, I find our largest forest reaching up as a call to prayer. There is the glorious point of another church, the black domes of the observatory, and downtown looms bronze with light. I cannot look away. I cannot say I love it. It's conflicting feelings. (laughs) This one's called The Overgrown Cul-de-Sac. This one's for Emily or, yeah. Uh, The Overgrown Cul-de-sac, variegated leaves, long trunk, spiked bark, fruit pit, wild tuber, willingness to marry the simplicity of sun, to drink water, to renew by fire and eat up air, mindless mystics show us the wisdom of waiting and reaching as you devour the hillside in a gesture of vines seeds floating off to keep the cycle in succession, roots rupturing rock to get to the aquifer, never taking too much, life braiding limitless life.
1: Mm.
0: This one is based on an actual conversation I had with someone um, after all the fires. (coughs) It's called Fire Country. She said, we choose to make our home here. This place always burns. Her house turned to ash in Topanga Canyon once before. She rebuilt everything in the same spot. In the path of this current blaze, she seems to hum at a low frequency, unafraid. The land's ancient history is written in flame. We can curse and wail while praying for protection, but we cannot stay angry. Um, I'll just read the last two poems in the book. This one's for Nicole. (laughs) Uh, Nothing will end. It's called Nothing Will End. We drive up the Pacific Coast Highway to the place where the big black rocks make a pyramid. You remember it from your one solo trip many years ago. You're hardly ever alone now. Skipping up to the edge, I can tell you think that this will always be here. I want to say, this will all fall into the ocean soon. We walk the trail in Malibu where the oaks are old and black, marked with the cribbage of birds. The poison oak reaches, red and dusty. This will all burn in wildfire soon. We round the corner and somehow in all of this heat, in the scorch of summer, the pond is full and blooming green with bulrush, a lace work of algae decorating the surface. We've never seen it wet before, Usually we trace the chips of clay and look for animal prints. I attribute this miracle to your naivete, your willingness to believe that nothing will end, that everything will keep on with its beauty. And you're right. This place will change. Great suffering will occur. The Pacific will swallow so much. But the earth, it will survive us. I think I'll end with that one. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for listening so attentively. Um, yeah, if you can ask me questions if you want. Um, does anyone have a question? Oh, Maurice, yes. So when I went to New York for the first time, I was surprised that stuff that I had vilified in my mind I found was a necessary part of the universe. Did you have a similar experience when you came to L.A. for the first time? Yeah, he's asking if the things that I kind of vilified did I ever find that they were actually a necessary part of the universe. Um, Yeah, it's all the same thing, I think. Um, This book, writing it was kind of my way of accepting all of these different things about the city that were really difficult for me that I could kind of then link to things that were beautiful and things that were alive and growing and it all is tethered together. I don't, there is a poem in here called uh, No Nature and it's just, you know, everything. It's the same. It's not like we're separate from the natural world. So, do you want to give that to me? Uh, (laughs) Little guy. (laughs) Anyone else have a question? (laughs) Oh. The Edge of the Continent, Volume 2, it's The City. Yeah, and the next volume is about Joshua Tree, so it'll be about the desert. So I'm going to kind of go spend some time out there to fill my well up on that, but I have lived out there a couple other times in my life, so the the three places that I chose to write about for this trilogy are the places I've spent the most time in, in California, um, in case you didn't know that. Okay, anyone else have a question? <laughs> mm-hmm my favorite place in LA um there's a there's a hike that i'm obsessed with that shantry flat if anyone's ever been there that place is so incredible um it's kind of a serious hike it's don't don't kid yourself but um it's it's the best it's my favorite place to go so yeah mhm next Sometimes I, I feel like it's a balance. Sometimes I can get myself into this state where I accept everything as it is and I can see the world is like working towards something that's so mysterious and magical and we have all these answers to figure out whatever the next step is. And then sometimes I'm like, "Man, we are really missing the boat and this place is just going to leave us." You know, we're we are lucky enough to be part, part of the oneness, but I think the earth will probably just shake us off if we don't I mean I actually kind of think the earth will just shake us off there's no but if we don't I think we might be done (laughs) um but maybe not in our lifetimes but maybe George I don't know man (laughs) I hope it goes well for you (laughs) but you know I don't know and you you can only kind of question I don't know we have no idea but we like I said we do have the tools we do and that that is the thing that consistently gives me hope like we are not without Answers to these questions, humans have been doing the work we've figured it out. we just uh we have a big beast called capitalism that stands in our way oh, it's an echo park um I can't remember the name of that street, but yeah. I don't yeah, it's an echo park uh-huh it's just this huge hillside that the plants Emily took me there one day just to be like, "Look at what's happening to this hillside." <laughs> I was so amazed by it. You know, the plants are just like, growing all over the telephone poles and pulling the whole hillside down. And yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part about store? My favorite part about Palm Store. Palm um, oh Store. Ugh. I'm really on the outs with Palm Store right now. I don't know if any of you know that, but I'm really done doing Palm Store. Um, <laughs> Uh, but the, yeah, the, I, I like writing poems for people from the comfort of my own home. Um, but, uh, so I still do that and like fill all these orders, but working events has kind of, I was so enamored by the weirdness of coming to LA and being asked into all these like crazy situations, Max's, yeah, um, just crazy situations that were really inspiring at first because I was like, who are these people? How do they live their lives? And now I'm like, okay, I've worked enough events. I'm pretty good. It um, doesn't mean that I won't do that at all. It just means that I'm much more careful with like putting myself in these positions where I'm such an empath. Like In every kind of sense, I've been studying all about what it means to be an empath. And I'm like, I can't believe I actually survived the last five years of my life doing this work. Um, just like opening myself to... I've written like 40,000 poems. This is the 10-year anniversary of Poem Store, actually so it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a thing. It's a pretty special thing. But the best part of it to answer your question is really just like, uh, look at all these people, like all the people who I've like deeply, deeply connected with. And those connections are really real. Like they're so powerful and they continue to fill me up. And we can, I mean, I've made so many friends and so many like actual loved ones who I will have with me for the rest of my life. So that's the best part of it. Um, and, and it was just an experiment in this project. I literally did not anticipate it becoming my actual career, which is just crazy that that's what happened. But now I'm like able to write books, and I'm able to kind of give myself in a more broad way instead of um, like showing up at some weird house in Beverly Hills and being like, oh, my God, I have to write poems for three hours without stopping. And I'm having really important interactions, but it's too much. That's so much to ask of a human. And I consistently have to remind these people, like, I'm not a robot, I'm actually a human, and you're just, you know, you're, you've are you had five rosés, and I'm done, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's it, it's been this really beautiful expression, and it's not done. I think I'll always do Poem Store in some sense. I just think it's kind of seeing this interesting moment of this 10-year anniversary of me being like, okay, it deserves a shift. It deserves, like, a different lens on it or something, so... Mm -hmm. yeah she asked if i always knew if i wanted to write um i've written since i was really little like i have all these journals that are full of this weird cryptic language before i really knew how to write properly so i was always and i always wrote poems i think i wrote a poem when i was like three years old about a fox or something and it's like doesn't make any sense because i didn't know how to write but yeah it's That's just the way my brain works. So I think that's why Poem Store came so easily for so long. And then I shifted into this grown-up body with (laughs) this, like, very limited energy reserve. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I might have to rethink, like, plopping myself in public and just giving myself so freely all the time because it, you know, it's exhausting. But, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do love to dance, um, which some of you know, especially Jack knows that. Jack was my dance partner in a dance class before. Um, but dancing is like, I think, connected to poetry in this sense for me that just comes really naturally, the same as the answer to that question. Like, I've always danced and performed too, like, even when I was little. So that's just like a natural flow for me to be like, I could just. Make up a dance to any song, or I could just make up a poem to any subject. It kind of feels like the same weird trance like brain waves or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Yeah? About rejuvenation of nature, in a very way. Yeah, I spend a lot of time uh, erasing that conflict because I'm a human. So I have to consistently. Um, come to face that although I am an animal, (laughs) I'm a human animal and uh, that's why I moved here because I was like, I have to be with the people, I'm a person, like I can't actually have this uh, way of communicating come to me so naturally and just um, shrug it off. I felt like that was me shirking a really deep responsibility, like clearly I'm supposed to write and also share Um, and that helps me resolve the conflict that you're talking about. that's like a bridge for me to accept myself as a, a dirty, nasty human, <laughs> and like you know my role in the world and and how beautiful that is too, and to celebrate it every time I write a poem or every time I connect with someone deeply about the natural world or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have a lot of rituals. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I. I have a pretty uh, dedicated spiritual practice. It's like very private, but um, I find myself having these little tools. Like if I'm working on something specific, I'll light this candle and it'll be on my desk and that's how I focus or I'll prepare myself, you know, by writing in my journal first and kind of clearing my brain out and pretty simple things. But um, other than that, I mean, I sit at an altar every morning and every night and like have a whole practice that I do, and that helps me also resolve the conflict. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. anything else you'd like to know about me? <laughs> uh
1: huh. So, did your time uh, upgrade—what mm. led you down that path? Mm. Were you upgrade by yourself, or was it a community? Mm.
0: Yeah, um he's asking about when I lived off grid up in northern California. Um I've I had always wanted to live on land and see if I liked that because I feel like people talk all the time about this sort of idealistic like, oh, I'm going to live out in nature off the grid and like live off the land, but my thought was, I want to try that. What if I don't even like that? <laughs> um what if that's not what if that's just idealism speaking and then I get out there and I'm like, this actually sucks. But I really liked it. Um it was great for me and I actually lived at a place called Fancy Land which you can all look up. It's a queer land project in Northern California that houses for summer and spring queer artists from all over mostly the West Coast, but people come from all over the world. And so I I was living with other people, not not that many. I ran the place with three different people and um we, I worked the garden and grew all the food and we had all these artists come and we built everything ourselves and it was awesome. So you can look up Fancyland and you can go there and be an artist in residence if you want to. It's really awesome. I go back there all the time, so. Did you phone? Oh, we, we had a landline. We didn't have uh we didn't have service out there. Now there's service out there though. Which I'm like, whew, I missed that. I'm so glad that didn't happen when I was there. But um, yeah. Okay. Are we going over? Anybody else before we before I sign all of your books and have like a brief moment with all of your you who are so special to me'm <laughs> I'm like I'm like taking in all your faces and I'm like, "Oh, this is a lot thank, thank you for coming and supporting me, and I would love to hear what you think about my book that mean, would mean a lot to me so.